0: So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's going to change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know.
1: Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we're drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker.
2: And I'm Michael Claussen.
1: Hey, Michael. Hey Taylor, let's talk
2: about some movies, huh? Let's do it. Let's have a sip of our beers. What's it called? Today we're drinking Hillbrand Brewing Company's Down with the Dankness. Cheers.
0: How is it, Jen? Tell us. It's beautiful. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. What kind of beer? Mmm. Yeah, that that's is quite dank. dank. <laughs> oh, that's dank. <laughs> I feel stuff. like
1: I'm drinking pine needles. Ooh, I
0: like you should be camping. In a good way. Yeah.
1: Ooh, that's nice. But not. Camping, much like you uh, wrote expertly in your review of Sisters Brothers. Oh, yeah. Because I do not want to go camping anymore. Nope, after that not gun. doing it. <laughs> Too many spiders. We'll get there. Spiders in the cheek, spiders everywhere. Pretty bad. Uh, so we're going to do some first impressions here of two trailers. We've got the house that Jack built, and we also have a Netflix film called Outlaw King, which would you okay. prefer to do first?
2: Let's do Outlaw King king,
1: it is we need to unite scotland
0: robert the bruce
1: is an outlaw any man or woman who would give shelter to him or his ranks is to be executed without trial the people are desperate for justice
0: i serve robert bruce join us to free our lives
1: have 50 men to fight the strongest dog in the world all right michael we just watched the trailer for outlaw king what do you think i'm intrigued
2: uh it looks like a big movie like it's one that i do hope to see on the big screen um i had totally forgotten that uh the actress in this i i think i have seen some of like the stills or the posters for this you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: months ago um i totally forgotten the actress in this um i think her last name is It's spelled P-U-G-H. I think it's Florence Pugh. She was in that movie last year. One of my favorites of last year called Lady Macbeth. Did you ever see that one?
1: Oh, is that her? I did see that film. I did not respond well to it. Oh,
2: I love that movie. Um, I totally forgot she's in this. Very intrigued to see her again. Um, I think it looks like a good time. What about you?
1: It looks like a historical war epic Mm -hmm. that is well made, which is very Mm -hmm. surprising. I did not expect something that looked so well Seem together. The yeah. one thing that I will say is sometimes advertising agencies really fuck mm. up when they pick a font and mm. they're really fucked up with this font. Oh, I would agree. Looks because uh, th- this is basically a Braveheart story. So you mm. need something a little bit more scrolly, a little bit more burned at the edges, a little more rustic.
2: I would agree. And it, it's mm.
1: kind of got that gleamy shimmer.
2: That looks a little more video game ish to me. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would agree. A little Something a little older. Looking. Yeah,
1: like it, yeah. it needs that, not quite the bullshit Mary Queen of Scots font, mm. but somewhere in between yeah. this hard edge, you know, blade looking font and, and that. Yeah. Because this looks like a great movie, but I feel like it's being mismarketed. A I agree. Bit. Um, did you hear about any of the Toronto Film Festival fiasco with this? Uh, no. With the reaction to this? No. So I think the original cut was somewhere around 248.
0: Ooh. Huh. And
1: uh, like half the audience liked it, but half the audience didn't. Um, mm. And he took it back, I this isn't Taylor Sheridan directing, is it? David McKenzie. David McKenzie. Mm. He, um, I believe, is working with the editor on this. And they mm. went back in and I think they trimmed 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. So That's I'm very excited to see how tightly this is. Because yeah. the version they liked mm-hmm. got edited down. So it's everything they mm. like with all the stuff you can take out. So I'm I'm kind of gotcha. really intrigued to see what this to yeah. look like. And I think I'm probably going to like it more than Mary Queen of Scots.
2: Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, hopefully uh that just means that they, they just kept the best of the best. Yes. Um and it'll be a little bit more no frills. Um it does make me think about with Netflix releases how unlikely it is you ever see like the director's cuts of any of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um it'd just be interesting, you know, at some point down the line to compare, you know, the movies um that do get trimmed down like that. Um but yeah, I am glad it is not two hours and forty eight minutes. Yes. So that is good to know.
1: Yeah, it it looks um like it might be a, an essential viewing before Mary Queen of Scots as well due to the yeah. uh, plot line here in the timeline of Robert the Bruce uh, kind of fighting for the Scots we'll I don't go really know together. how this goes but it is possible that that actress you like could potentially mm. be one of the characters in Mary Queen of Scots which is True. interesting to consider nice I don't know my, my Scottish history well enough I ago. do not either but that I know would his be name nice is crossover. Robert the Bruce and he seems there you like go. A more than to me <laughs> yeah
2: um yeah, I was uh, I was a little cool on Hell or High Water, um, David McKenzie's last movie. But Oh, um, yeah,
1: we've worked that out, though. You're going to like it yeah. next time you watch it, because you're a big fan of Ben Foster. There then, we right? go.
2: Here we are again. It always comes back to Ben Foster. Ben <laughs>
1: Foster or uh, <laughs> Hail Caesar, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but his movie before that, which we also talked about really briefly, when we talked about A Before Dawn, was uh, Startup, the prison drama. Yes. Um, so we've done some really different movies, which is uh, just interesting, you know, to see how his... Um, Style kind of transfers between genres, so um, I'm intrigued. It Me too. Be fun.
1: I, I do think this is kind of an exciting entry in what could be a, a really, like you just said, unique mm. filmography. Looking backwards, yeah. like I don't see this director losing a step. It seems like he's going to continue mm. to kind of move forward and do bigger things. Yeah. And it, it just in the back of my head, there's something kind of saying like 2026. This guy's going to mm. like be a legitimate. You know, contender for the Oscars.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. Hell or high water got a best picture nom, right? He didn't get the yeah. director one, but yeah, seems yeah, like he's I mean like in that a, tier for sure.
1: Like a legit. Like we look for his name. Yeah. he's kind of got that flavor yeah. to him. It's yeah, to feel like
2: yeah, exactly. Even the people who loved Hell or High Water, not everyone would I, I, I would necessarily remember who directed it. I don't yes. think just because of his, his, his retain recognition. Sheridan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I agree. Promising.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to. The house that Jack built.
2: Let's do it. I'm scared. Mind if I take a look in the van, please, sir?
0: I'd be a bad guy if I said no. Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell.
1: And that's the trailer for The House That Jack Built, Michael. What are your first impressions here?
2: My first thought is that if you didn't know anything about this movie and just saw the trailer, I don't think that this really suggests the brutal violence that it's said to have. I could I could imagine someone being quite startled after watching this trailer by what this is supposed to actually have. Because um, it uh, has a more pitch black comedic kind of tone which i was not expecting i don't know if that's going to be palpable in the movie itself um but um a surprising tone for uh yeah the trailer good marketing yeah yeah what do you think
1: i uh i don't like to jump to such conclusions willy-nilly but i'd be Mm -hmm. lying if i said that i don't feel like I, I feel as if this could be a legitimate contender for my number one feature film oh. spot this year. Woo-wee.
2: Optimistic. Uh,
1: not just optimistic, uh, pretty confident. I, I've seen most of Lars's, um, or mm. Larsh's, um, filmography, and he's really going back to some of the stuff that he started with, with his shorts, it seems like. Mm. Some of the st- uh just the, the quick styles and the focus in on characters within a landscape mm. so the landscapes kind of soft out of focus uh mm. i i really responded well to his early shorts which is like yeah. when he was a teenager really mm. and uh there's some where he was like 11 wow they're doing it for a a a long time. youtube for anybody that's interested but yeah yeah this is very much a pairing of his it seems like it's his house that jack built as mm. well as it's matt dylan's house that jack built if that makes yeah. sense.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen that many Von Trier movies. Um, I saw Melancholia a long time ago. Liked it pretty well. Um, I saw Antichrist. Didn't like it very much. Nymphomaniac, I saw part one. Kind of mixed on it. So
1: Well, yeah. With Seeing part one mm-hmm. without part two is like...
2: I didn't really like part one well enough to... To even watch part two. Um, I'm trying to remember, it, since it's been so long since I watched that one, that got released like literally in two parts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think maybe by the time the second one came out, I had just kind of lost interest.
1: So did you um, see the um, the original intended director's cut unrated, or did you see the theatrical
2: ooh, cut? I, th- I believe it was theatrical. Okay. Um, I
1: completely understand where you're coming from then, because then you're missing kind of the best... Most human parts of it, if you mm. will, and not meaning like it's a joy to look at, but mm. that's where the, the truth or the crux of it is, you know.
2: Gotcha, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very intrigued, but um, I s- s- still think there's a possibility I'll hate it, there's a possibility I'll love it. I really, I really don't
1: know. You're still 50 50? I'm pretty 50 50. Oh man, which think? is
2: kind of fun. I kind of like that feeling. Yeah. Um, It un- unpredictable, is nice. Yeah, yeah,
1: when he hit Uma in the head with the jack, I knew that mm. hey, this is my type of movie. <laughs> Ooh.
2: Yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a tough sit, I think. Um, I'll be very interested to see uh, who's there at the screening. Yes. Um, just yes. The, the one and only screening at SIF in November. Uh, that will be interesting. For the
1: unrated version, that's right. what we're going to be seeing. Um, yeah. J- just watching the trailer, I mean, there's an immense sense of... Uh, fuckery or foolery right mm. there's an immense yeah. punnery going on yeah the first kill we see is jack killing uma thurman with a jack yeah yeah right and then we're getting before that we're getting cuts to the tiger and the lamb yeah yeah like this is <laughs> uh this is not like exactly subtle visual mm. storytelling um that kind of undercuts how brutal everything is by making it kind of gleeful mm. in this yeah. sycophantish way that I, yeah. I think is gonna really translate well for me um, yeah, and him trying to make an overture to how serial killing brings about pleasure for the serial killer.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I could see myself finding humor in it. I, I, I hope I don't find it smug. That's that's the only thing I'm maybe a little cautious of.
1: He um, he is quite a smug filmmaker. He is. I do um, like smugness myself, yeah. though.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, There's a certain cockiness and
1: artistry that comes with smugness.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but kind of being on the fence about it, you know, I'm, i got to try to be as open-minded as possible. Mm. Um, so, uh, we shall see.
1: We shall. Um, with that, shall we navigate into our first title of the week, then? Let's do
2: it. We're talking about the Sisters Brothers.
0: We're the Sisters Brothers. S-I-S-T-E-R-S. Like sisters. We're looking for a man named Warm. Stole something from for our employer. We have enough money to stop for
1: good. Stop what? Ah! Killing people. <laughs> yeah, right. That's Sisters. Like Sisters.
2: S I S T E R S.
1: You got it. This film is uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, John C. Riley, Riz Ahmed, and Jake Gyllenhaal, who we will be talking about in a few weeks in Wildlife. Uh, who is the director again? He's a French fellow.
2: Jacques Audiard.
1: So glad you remember these names.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, he made uh, Deepon, which I liked pretty well. Um, I
1: don't think I've seen any of his other films.
2: Mm. Um, yeah, I've seen Deepon, Deepon and uh, he made one called Rust and Bone with Marion Cotillard.
1: Yes, that's um, the one that's definitely on my radar to watch. Yeah,
2: I like that one pretty well, too. Um, yeah, um, it's been a little while since both of us watched this one.
1: It has. Um, shall I take the lead then? Yeah. Okay. Dive into it. What do you think? <clears throat> Number one, it's I I liked it more than you. Just get mm. that out in the open. But I I'm one of the people playing through some Red Dead Redemption right now. So mm. gotcha. Uh, this western themed week was quite pleasant leading nice. into my gaming experience that's been ever so brief, but enjoyable
2: that is the best Uh, when you just have like multiple you know different cultural things you're into kind of aligning yes
1: oh yeah and uh the the stark contrast of the classical western um being framed through this french kind of love oedipal journey um where at the end they don't find restitution with the father they find it with the mother Mm, it was just a really beautiful translation and kind of it stands in stark contrast to most other westerns Hmm. when when we think about them but it has all these western conventions yeah which i i really i I just enjoyed watching a a foreign interpretation of a classic genre is really what this film comes down to for me
2: yeah yeah you feel the the european sensibility
1: yeah and and a certain sense of warmth hmm yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah it's it's weird because I think you get moments of warmth and sweetness and then some some quick pivots to um danger um I think this movie can kind of turn on a dime um
1: yeah, it does but it never feels for me it never felt dangerous,
2: yeah it's not like it's pulling the rug out from under you, but um it did consistently remind me you know just of the harshness of frontier
1: yeah yeah Um, but i guess what i was saying or what i was hearing was maybe that you were worried for our characters mm, whereas i was never worried for our characters but it definitely the translation Mm. of the environment being so brutal and harsh definitely comes through
2: yeah that contrast between kind of romanticizing the west and also reminding you how the west would have sucked yes to an extent
1: (laughs) terribly yeah spiders in the cheek
2: yeah terrible
1: um so there's this scene that we talked about recently in wonderstruck where she gets off the train Mm. in new york in the 1970s and it's this crazy smorgasbord of a cityscape that's just awe-inspiring visually Mm. i experienced the same thing when we went to san francisco oh nice okay i can see that how'd that work Mm. for you
2: um it was transporting for sure um that's an interesting comparison i could see that um just as soon as the character arrives, you feel like you have arrived.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it felt like tangible and visually, yeah. it was uh, just sumptuous. It was gorgeous. It was. It was glamorous.
2: Absolutely, one of the uh, highlights of the film is just its look, um, which, to be honest, like I'm almost positive I'd rate it higher on a second viewing. Um, I was a little bitter for a part of it because outside of the film, um, the projection was a little jacked up. Uh, that I, I hadn't mentioned that yet. That was um, that was just a big distraction.
1: That happened to me in the old man and the gun. Oh, did it? And I think we might have seen each of these possibly in the same screening room, probably at the same theater. Oh, I think days. one of us needed to say something.
2: Did if you, you, did you go already. to the
1: number eight at the dining?
2: Uh, screening
1: room number eight. Yeah.
2: I don't remember if that was the one, but it seems very possible. I was in screening room
1: number eight, and I was furious during The Old Man and the Gun. Yeah, I was... uh, The left side was completely off the fucking projection screen.
2: I was really just on the fence about getting up and, like, saying something. Um, And, you know, I had had already mentioned how, like, it took me a little while to kind of get into this movie. I'd be lying if I said that I didn't think that probably had something to do with it, right? Like, that makes a difference. Especially Uh, when when you're looking at
1: that more than you're looking at the film. Yeah, totally looking at the relationship between these two actors.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, you have to be you have to be open to any movie, you know, in order for it to have its full effect. And I was a little closed off because I was bitter,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that's frustrating because it is such a good looking movie, like you were saying. Um, I think it's beautiful, beautifully the, shot.
1: Do you kind of feel that that foreign sensibility coming through visually, though?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I was thinking just because I'm a little more familiar with his work, um, I guess I was thinking less about his sensibility as a European and more about his, um, kind of, like, specific themes that kind of run through the other movies. Oh, okay. um,
1: um... Yeah, because I'm blind to those. I just can't yeah, think of them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, are there, yeah, like, are, are there particular, uh, what, what are the flourishes that come to mind when, you, when you're thinking of the European
1: just, touches? so, other than the ending, which is incredibly brutal and visceral to look at, hmm. Um, specifically in the river during the chemical thing Um, like when he gets when he gets the surgery there's this weird sense of like you know what's what's happening is terrible but it doesn't look terrible
0: Mm, and that's kind of
1: all these bad things that are happening throughout don't really look that bad like our opening scene with the brutal shootout where they kind of establish the fact that these guys are just never gonna die and that they're like incredible western heroes yeah. Um, it it's just like this quiet night that's punctuated mm. with these guys murdering people, but it still, mm. f- like visually, feels like you're just experiencing a quiet night other than the audio. Yeah. There, like, yeah. there's. I I don't even want to say European. I want to say like a, a mm. Southern European or a French r- feel to this. You know, because yep. we just watched uh, the Italian filmmakers. I you remember their name? They're the directing duo.
2: Oh yeah, uh, Bruno Borzani and. Helen Catet?
1: Yeah, and when I think about them, I think about maybe Dario Mm. Argento. Yeah. Um, so I I I don't know that I'd necessarily even call it European so much as like this French sensibility of Mm. warmth when I think about other like La Dolce Vita or something.
0: Mm. Like there's a
1: certain French wave of warmth that that I I feel coming through visually. Yeah. where the sunsets are just so gorgeous and the water yeah. and these landscapes are so gorgeous yeah and even when it's raining and everything's brutal and terrible it looks pretty how terrible yeah. everything is
2: yeah yeah um yeah, obviously you're you're blind to the color, but I would say it it absolutely felt like it had kind of a unique color scheme, um in light of other westerns, you know, using things like purples, which is just not a color I associate with westerns at all. You, you know, seem I think about like, really like purples. Oh I do. That's one of my favorite colors. Okay. So take that, you know, as you will. I will. Um, you know, and I think about the colour scheme that I associate with Westerns. I think about kind of like dry reds, you know, like mm-hmm. a monument valley and that kind of thing. Um there were definitely more just More, yeah yeah exactly um there's just kind of a wider range uh a bigger palette that he's kind of using um that does feel uh foreign just because it literally is foreign to you as you yes. associate it with the genre um and uh it's lovely it's just great to look at no doubt about that
1: so so something else I, I don't really know how to put this and I I gather this is a novel as well
2: is that correct um I think that's right i think it is okay. an adapted screenplay yeah
1: so what's interesting is that this is a western with no female at all mm, yeah until the very very end but still that's yeah. not a sexual interest yeah and then the title of this is the sisters brothers
2: yeah yeah
1: and it's about this kind of um you know feminine energy um coming into these brutal you know arguably toxic masculine men um, and this transition from Riz Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal's relationship into John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. changing them and making yeah. them better, which is also like a curious um, pivot from the classical mm. Western idea. Because even yeah. when we get to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, though she's not a forefront, th- there is this mm. feminine character.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's quite pleasant at the end. When when the mother finally enters the the dynamic, yes, um, really a lovely. I don't remember her conclusion. name. But she's one of my favorite I don't either.
1: older gals that that plays moms almost exclusively. Yeah, I almost think that she's like from Reno Nine One One, but I I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. But she's kind of yeah. like that the the cop gal mm. from Reno Nine One One. Oh, I yeah, Just for see listeners. That. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The 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 theme of of family is not something that I usually think about. Um, in terms of westerns. Um
1: What? Three ten to um, Yuma? Uh
2: that's true. That's true. You're right. Um yeah, maybe I maybe I'm saying that too quickly. I, I think more about um I don't know, uh the you know the the coming of civilization and, and that kind of thing. Okay. Um the the contrast between the civilized and the savage. You you think um, kind of
1: bigger ideas, more yeah. meta with it. Um, exactly with, with like the bigger conversations being had yeah specifically in that 1960s 1970s uh hollywood mm. western era where they were yeah. having those big meta conversations about the coming globalism then and reflecting yeah. that in the western genre at the time
2: yeah you know and, and the classics like stagecoach like john wayne is a lone ranger right mm-hmm. you know it's more about um individuals in a way and and them uh the Whoever can take it owns it, that kind of mentality. Exactly. Um, which can certainly involve a family. But this just did feel sort of uniquely centered on the idea of a family because it involves brothers. Um, which is just kind of, that's one of the themes that kind of runs through his other movies. Um, you know, Deepons about these four immigrants who pretend to be a family so they can um, immigrate and not be deported. Um, so there's kind of this d- dysfunctional family. Into what family. country? Uh, England. Oh. I believe, no, no, no! It's France. It's France. Okay. Um, and uh, um, he has uh, he has some, sort of an interesting story himself, Odiard, um, which I always see people referencing. And he's one of those directors who kind of denies that that influences his work at all. But he he, he says, you know, but I you know I have to believe that it also kind of runs through my subconscious. Um, he he's had kind of a tragic life, like his. His brother passed away when he was young and he married his brother's wife and then um and then his father passed away um so you know but the wife hasn't passed
1: no so he's not kelsey grammer keanu reeves status yet (laughs) where everyone that they know and love died exactly yeah
2: (laughs) um you know, so whenever I, I read some of the terp- interpretations of his work, it's about um, people, it's about usually about men um, and their relationship with people and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which I think is very clear here and just kind of... That um, um, he's in nice... with
1: that himself. Yeah. Perhaps. Kind of like yeah. Spielberg is still trying to figure out how to be an adult operating mm-hmm. with all this power who thinks like a child.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a nice, you know, attachment of those ideas to the Western.
1: Yeah, right? definitely. Um,
2: in a very kind of seamless way. Um, it doesn't feel too, um, too obviously um, the thematic, I guess. It's yeah. very seamless.
1: Yeah. yeah. And another thing that's seamless, I think, is the editing. I think that it's yeah. just got this really great, slow transition from character to city um and then mm. they really let the cities feel like characters and then they kind of kill mm. them off or they run away from them yeah and it's really pleasant way where i i just don't feel like i get that out of much cinema i mm. i really yeah. would compare it to kind of my experiences with the video game red dead redemption 2 mm. where these cities kind of come to life and then um you know before you know it you Gotta move on for whatever reason. Mm. Maybe your bounty's too high. Maybe time to go. You just gotta gotta go because the camp's moving. Because the uh, bounty hunters are coming in. Yeah. Um, and and it's just this. I it it just felt alive in that really mm. weird persistent way where where the environment feels alive.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. If the uh, it's hard not to think about it. Be feeling alive when that spider crawls into his mouth. That is very real.
1: How about all those babies that come out?
2: Oh, that's gnarly.
1: Spider baby. (laughs) Spider pig, spider pig. Yeah. Does whatever a spider pig does. It's disgusting. (laughs)
2: Um, But yeah, I I, I do like that scene. Um, Like I said, I think that's kind of a nice um, representation of um, the misery of just what the West was like in certain ways. Having Mm -hmm. to sleep outside, it's not always romantic. It can suck big time. Oh, dude. Um, uh,
1: My crowd, when the spider crawls and. John Mm. C. Reilly's mouth just this an explorable groan. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, you basically came from everywhere. Please I d- don't. I didn't have anywhere close uh, to a sold-out crowd, you know. Yeah. But just this cacophony of whales came, and, and yeah. I was just silent in horror, because yeah. I'm terrified of spiders myself. Well, yeah,
2: I thought for sure it was going to be played for last, because I thought he would wake up and, like, cough it out yeah. or something like that. Or but swallow nope. it or something. Yeah.
1: And he does Ugh. swallow it, but it's already laying Whoa. babies in his cheek. It's just oh, terrible.
2: It's real bad, real bad.
1: So mm. I, I guess kind of the the major thing to get to here, and arguably its greatest strength besides its mm. its directing and this um, sense of tone that really comes through, is the performers. Totally. Uh, if I had to rank them, mm. goes John C. Riley. Yep. Joaquin Phoenix,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Riz Ahmed, Jake Gyllenhaal. Not that any mm. of them are bad. That's just kind of the order for me Mm. what's the order off the top of your head uh
2: probably the same although i could maybe switch reza med and uh joaquin phoenix okay they're pretty close
1: yeah well the thing for me with joaquin is when he cries Mm. it's like the fucker's really crying
0: Mm. it's really
1: like he's crying like he's one of those weird performers where i never know if he's maybe a little bit troubled
2: like, are you really crying? Are you okay? Yeah. Exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. Yeah. Whereas with with Riz, um, I get the sense that he can leave work at at work and home at yeah. home. Mm. And with Joaquin, I don't know if he's. I, I I'm firmly in the camp. You're he wanting to do that. You want somebody to check on him. In <laughs> exactly. That scene? Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: That's uh,
1: he's doing his job. Michelle too well. Williams, where are you? You are too good. <laughs> um. So I guess the the focus then is. Uh, how great the character work is here from John C. Riley. It seems like you're yeah. in agreement with me that this is Definitely. just incredible. I oh, don't know yeah. if you know, yeah. but I I believe he went to at least one year. It could have been two years of clown school. Oh yeah, I, I, think I, I did hear in that. France. Yeah. Um, in that clown, um, training, I think is really mm. what we're seeing when during these tooth. Bur- uh, yeah, toothbrushing scenes. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say teeth brushing, but that wouldn't be correct. Yeah. Toothbrushing yeah. <laughs> is weird. It's just the ING attached that makes it odd, right? I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that just a, a fascinating character acting oh, piece yeah. to, to yeah. see? And yeah, um, yeah. when he sees Jake John Hall brushing his teeth, how he goes. And he he kind of leans in and peers and and kind of gets this leering going and yeah. and he tries to copy but in this really buffoonish way.
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of kind of a look of like curiosity mm-hmm. as he does it. Um, he's just not quite sure if he's doing this the right way. If this yeah. is how you're supposed to do it.
0: Yeah,
1: it's like a, um, private, it's a very endearing. It's a private thing for him. Um, what he does with the handkerchief. <laughs> Or oh, the I scarf or whatever that. it is. Do you remember the garment that he has that he takes out and he continues to smile and and gives him a Oh, shit gotcha, gotcha. And yeah, at yeah. one point I believe uh, they get attacked while he is masturbating or has just completed masturbation oh, yeah. to it.
2: Yep, yep. By, yeah, yeah, by Dylan and... Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then um, we get a small moment where he tries to get uh, this gal who's a great actress that I don't remember the name of, but she's in Fargo season two, I want to say. Ooh, I don't could be season one or three I, I really don't remember but um she's the prostitute oh gotcha yeah um she's kind of a bigger gal yeah yeah
2: it, kind
1: of a melanie linsky but not melanie linsky mm.
2: um, yeah, yeah.
1: She, she was in i yeah i can't remember i just know she was in fargo she's in a bunch of other projects i think yeah. she might have been in mosaic as well actually
0: yeah
1: um but that interaction that he has where she has to leave because he's being too nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's just this great moment that is equally dependent on this French auteur style. Yeah. I think, and also on uh, John C. Riley's ability to do this character study.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did, did he. It sounds like he elicited your your sympathy and your, you, you were more endeared by him than, oh, than Joaquin Phoenix.
1: Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah Joaquin's. Yeah. Just a walking killer until the very end Pretty when he gets much. his arm cut off, but really right that 's what he wants
2: to do, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I do think there 's something kind of affecting about these these brothers' um, vision of the future and walking Phoenix not wanting things to change or not even really thinking about the possibility of change
1: other oh, than um, more power
2: exactly, yeah, yeah, um, while riley 's kind of cautiously trying out these new things. Mm-hmm. Um and uh you know what that what that will mean kind of for their relationship is is interesting.
1: Yes. Um and how it it changes by the end when he has to become the real big brother again. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, it definitely pays off. Yeah. All that stuff. But I I really think that if he doesn't get nominated for supporting actor that's going to be mm. the greatest um like miss i guess well, could he year. be a
2: lead i don't no. know if you'll like get it but do you think he no. do you think that's the appropriate category or not i don't think so i don't think just that anyone in this, of this film time?
1: deserves lead mm. um just because of how it's split kind, kind of, ensemble, of in a way between yeah these four characters and arguably jake gets the most time of the supporting and then yeah, of the brothers it seems like joaquin gets the most time yeah so i i feel as if John C. Riley should be in the in the supporting category. Yeah. I, I don't know how do you remember how big that slot is though? Is it five? It's five? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty he probably tight. won't make it, but this is yeah. his tour de force, if you ask me. Yeah. At least since yeah. um his performance, which was quite limited in Gangs of New York. It's probably his best one. Oh, I never
2: then. saw that one. I didn't even realize who's in it.
0: Oh
1: you've never That's seen it. the Gangs of New York? I have not. With never. Daniel Day Lewis, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Cameron Diaz, and John C. Riley?
2: big cast never seen that one
1: we're doing that in the spring you can book
2: it there are a handful of Scorsese's I don't think I've seen um
1: so springtime you're gonna like that spring's getting full spring's (laughs) done we gotta start every time we haven't seen
2: something it's
1: we'll watch it in the spring spring. (laughs) (laughs) spring releases stop getting pushed back under the silver lake
2: yeah yeah exactly um yeah really nice movie um
1: you love Riz Ahmed. Do you wanna make kind do. of an overture to him before we move on?
2: Um Yeah, his his intelligence was very believable. Yes, I really was. I really believed and was sort of hooked at his description of this sort of idealistic future that he that he envisions. Um and the the optimism he has about his formula. Um I was I was quite um uh engrossed whenever he was um, getting excited about what this could do and what the possibilities were. Um, I was totally with him. Um, but, uh, you know, if I had to rank him, it's a close call between him and Phoenix.
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I was definitely with him as a character, mm-hmm. but as far as his ideal society, I was quite skeptical, because that mm. ideal society often comes with hundreds of millions of people dead. So. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I'm
2: I'm not endorsing it like anything he said, but I but I very much believed um in, in how His deeply belief. he believed in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um and uh yeah, solid.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's a special movie and I, I think that we can definitely recommend it wholeheartedly. You yeah. gave it the four with the heart. You gave it the three and a half with the heart. You it's think. Because that, that involves the viewing experience, you know? Yeah, like I said, like, you, you think yeah. you can move on it. So totally. it's yeah. definitely an endorsed film by Drink in the Movies.
2: Definitely. Um, Go check with
1: it out. Really, really special acting from John C. Riley. So. Definitely. Let's move on to uh, the Robert Redford directorial debut, Ordinary People. And don't get me, I try to kill myself. That's old turkey. What have you done lately? Lately? Mm-hmm. Hey, come on. If you. Listen, I'm never
0: going to be forgiven for that. Never. You know, you you can't get it out. You know, all the blood in her towels and her and her her rug. Everything had to be pitched, even the tile in the in the bath bathroom had to be re-grouted. That's
1: right. Is that the directorial debut, or am I misspeaking? I think, I think that I'm is. misspeaking because I, he m- may have done a documentary first. That could be. I, I was kind of thinking this was the first one I thought him. so too. But I as soon as I said it, I didn't feel like I'd checked my facts.
2: Director he hasn't done that much according to IMDB 1980 debut film.
1: there we go. debut film from Robert Redford. Ordinary people you like this film to a fault. Oh. is going to be my opening mm. statement uh, a perfect five. Yeah. And I think I just recently edited some audio for the podcast where you said you don't just hand out fives willy nilly. Mm. So why don't you explain to me how this is a five?
2: Oh, yeah. I think this is a, a perfect family <clears throat> drama um, that is deeply felt. Um, I deeply connected with all three of the main characters um, mother, father, and son coping with uh, the death of um, th- another boy in the family, their brother. Or his brother, Um, the son. Another son. Yeah. Um,
1: Firstborn, if I remember correctly.
2: Yep. Um, I really liked how even-handed it was, even though we're more or less sort of focused on the boy's um, grief. His name is Conrad, I believe. Um, We get a good sense for um, his relationship with his mom, his dad, and their relationship with each other. Um, I felt like there was um a really nice level of attention to like each of those dynamics. Um uh I thought each how each of them were sort of processing um um what had happened was really interesting and emotional. Um I liked all three performances. I know there's one that you thought was the winkest link. Um That
1: might be a real problem with me. Like I really don't know how to unlock that actor.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with him the whole way. Um and uh I think the direction is appropriately very simple um mm-hmm. I thought the hundred percent right, agree with that. it's just um a really um grounded character study, which is just the kind of film that I really like
1: um well, it's just a novel on the screen, yeah,
2: pretty much, but um you know to me it's it's not something that can be reproduced on the play that you know a camera's ability to be. Close to these characters when they're feeling something deeply is, is is very important. It's something that doesn't translate to the to the stage. Um. And uh, yeah, I was I was emotional from, from start to finish.
1: I. I'll admit <laughs> I, I was quite. Um, I, I wasn't bitter mm. going into it, but I was quite exhausted when I watched ah. it. So was I, this I the t- last one of the week? This was the last one of the week.
2: Oh, we have a pattern here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got... It was like Dressed to Kill, Night um, of the Living Dead. It's the last one of the week. that gets shafted. <laughs>
1: well, th- the thing is that I did watch The Deuce afterward, and I was more... Uh, okay. I, I responded stronger to The Deuce than to ordinary people, ah, so... Okay. okay. Um, and I just came off Bohemian Rhapsody, so it was kind of within a similar timeline. So, it's... Gotcha. It's not a... Yeah, I feel comfortable saying like it's a. I f- when I ended it, it felt like a three, but I gave it a three and uh-huh. a half. Just thinking about it deeper, mm. I think that kind of the most special, maybe not appreciated thing of this is going to be Judd Hirsch's performance as the psychologist. Oh, interesting. I really think that he's the reason why we feel like we know these characters mm. by the end of it. Mm. Um, One thing that I still don't know if I liked or not, I I just, it really sticks in my head and it really threw me off. And I, I'm still kind of reeling from the punches of the sound design when he's Mm. having um, these conversations with Mary Tyler Moore, his mother. Mm. And the, do you remember like the dog barking outside scene where he begins to bark?
2: Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Gotcha. In the backyard. Like
1: like some of those scenes are just so jarring Mm. and, um, odd that I don't really know how to place them or or fit them in and I don't think I'm mm. supposed to but it it's definitely something that I don't necessarily take as a strength or a weakness where maybe mm. you can file that in under strength. Um so maybe that's where some um. of our differences are in appreciating its consistency mm. or tone.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Sound design was not something I I um that that came to my mind. Um it didn't uh I didn't have an opinion on. it, I guess one way or the other, it wasn't helping or hurting. It didn't jar um, you at
1: all. Not really. Where they're having this conversation, and all of a sudden he just starts barking at this really loud, screaming volume. Um, I kind
2: of like. Well, yeah. Back I mean, I mean, I, I, I guess like, what the fuck is? I happening? guess the choice might be startling. I don't, I, I don't know if I would have described it as like the sound design. I mean, I, I, I hmm. guess the, the the character behavior was maybe startling. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, but I don't know. It, for me, it wasn't. I didn't pick up like the. The sound that you're talking about,
1: I'm with you. When I was listening to it, it came in at such a uproarious volume. Got it. Yeah. Compared to the dialogue that they were having, that I was like, "Is this even the right like like Is there a glitch?"
2: Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah. It kind of threw Um, me out of the movie, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, I I was already um too involved with the with the emotion in that scene. I think to be taken out of it by that, Mm. Um, and I wasn't. Yeah, so that's yeah. maybe what it is. Because I um, I was
1: still trying to suss out what's going on there.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's just a scene or two later when he's um, he asks his mom as she's setting the table if he can help, and she says, "No. Why don't you just go do something? Why don't you go do something else? And, Clean out your closet." Yeah, yeah. And he and he just looks at her and he says, "Mom," like with a question mark on the end of that word, um, just just desperate to. To, to reconcile or connect and and she says, You know, I'm fine, you know, just just go, or I don't know, I remember what she says, but it they do not connect mm-hmm.
1: um, and she's always going or telling them to go,
2: yeah, yeah, they don't she doesn't even want to take a picture with them Um, th- that that relationship was very clear to me um I really liked uh I don't remember the actor's name who plays this on Conrad, but I really liked his performance um to me, it's like, uh, I don't know, just so much of the time, it just looks like he's like um, struggling to catch his breath as he mm-hmm. starts to kind of panic, you know, like his, like his chest is tightening up. Um, I thought all that was, was really effective. Um, like there's just, there's just guilt and sorrow that's just kind of suffocating him. Um, I thought that was very uh, persuasive. Um, and it does come out uh, particularly well when he's with the uh, psychiatrist. I agree. Um, who's great. Like, I love that he's not just um, a shoulder to cry on. Like, he's kind of tough on him. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, spit it out. Like, come on. Like, you you know what it is you're feeling. Just say it. Um, which is sort of almost like an audience surrogate in a way. You're mm-hmm. like, come on. Like, you you got this. Do it. Yeah. 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 Um, I thought that was... Uh, those were nice moments when they are together. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, uh, Donald Sutherland, um, you were less crazy about him.
1: I can't figure out if I enjoy him as an actor in any of his roles or if he's kind of that Benedict Cumberbatch for me where I might need him in a TV show. Mm. That's maybe why I, I don't know if it's maybe something about that family where I don't really respond to Kiefer in film roles, but I respond to Kiefer in like a television role like I need kind of the full embodiment of a character like I do with mm. Benedict Cumberbatch where like I need you to just be that character for a long period of Takes time. It's a little longer. Because when I'm watching him make these decisions I believe it's kind of in the first third of the film he's sitting there with Mary Tyler Moore on on either lawn furniture or they're inside the house on the couch kind of laying there and he's having this conversation with her and the way that he's rolling his eyes and looking away and then looking back it, it mm. just screamed choices mm. like i could see them i like i didn't feel like the performer was acting with any naturalistic tendencies it was mm. all kind of a rehearsed performance mm. and i yeah. really like when i see that it just really detracts from my um, mm. ability to believe that this character is feeling these things or actually in this scene
2: mm.
1: like it, it it just all of a sudden i'm like oh yeah i'm watching a movie Instead oh, I of think you're missing the. the I think
2: you're missing the the forest for the trees. He, I, he's just just a dad desperate to to try to help his son overcome. That's there there are
1: some scenes where <laughs> where he does that for me. Yeah. Um, psychiatrist yeah. with Judd Hirsch. Yeah, uh, jogging with that guy who won't shut up about stocks. Oh yeah, yeah. Those yeah. two scenes worked where he was kind of busy doing something else, so he mm. his choices didn't float to the surface. But like if mm. I if I show you that scene and I point it out, you'll probably go yeah. But maybe mm. you just weren't focused on it, whereas I kind mm. of just go into those focuses where you're more form centric. Mm.
2: Okay. Yeah, it could be. I mean, sometimes you just get to a point with a movie where if you're if you're emotionally involved enough, you know, certain things start to not matter. I, um, right? Like I didn't none know of these, how to get involved. Honestly, yeah.
0: what?
1: Like I, it's I devastating. Just, I never. <laughs> I was honestly on Mary Tyler Moore's side like the whole time.
2: Interesting. Yeah. But,
1: I love Mary Tyler. Rook, yeah, and so.
2: yeah, and I, <laughs> I I I thought it didn't um villainize her. Um I, I thought it did um appropriately elicit my sympathy for her as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um she uh sh- she's bitter for sure, um but I I think it it recognizes um how sorrowful she is as well. Um there's that moment when she's sitting in uh buck's room by herself mm-hmm. um don't do that just to a me. quiet moment yeah yeah exactly um just a quiet moment but you see how she just does this alone she doesn't want to talk about it she wants to do this on her own she wants to try to um maintain some uh semblance of normalcy she doesn't want people to 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 know what they're going through she gets pissed yeah. off when somebody's told that you know he's seen a psychiatrist uh-huh. um
1: so which, uh, is frustrating question.
2: in a way, but a little interesting. Yeah. Quick
1: question before we move on: Yeah, did you know that she was in Buck's room the whole time? Because I didn't until uh, he came in and startled her, and then I was became aware that there's this room in their house that's Buck's room. Uh, I really didn't know. I thought that she was in his room, and I was kind of uh, off by that. And I was like, "Does she love him?" Which uh, was kind of an it, interesting moment for me, just in a different way. Oh. So, did you? No, that's
2: interesting. Did I, you I, always
1: know it was Buck? Yeah, I assumed it was Buxer. Okay.
2: Yeah, but I can see that. I mean, they kind of look alike. She's looking at pictures of them.
1: No, I'm just Mm. trying to see, like... Ooh, that's never good. Hell. Yeah, I never know, kind of, when I'm missing out on something. You know, Mm. when you watch a movie and maybe you completely missed a clue. Yeah. Device is ready. What device is it talking about? It's talking about the microphone, which is worrisome. We're back.
2: We're back. (laughs) um what else um already talked a little bit about how much i liked conrad but yeah i did i did like donald sutherland um i liked the moment in particular when he comes home and he's talking to mary tyler more in the garage about the day of the funeral and the shoes yeah yeah exactly um, yeah I, th- I thought that was uh just a really powerful moment and to me that was sort of the first sign of how this um tragedy is, is going to kind of reverberate throughout their relationship like to me he's not just pissed about that particular incident like it's sort of it sort of um widening a gap that may have already been there that he's just not feeling now until something powerful enough um has happened to really make him realize you know what this what these kinds of things mean to him. Yeah, he just hadn't um, noticed. Yeah. Kind of. Um, yeah.
1: The distance between them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um which yeah, to me it's it's just devastating, you know. You want to see a family after something like that has happened come together and instead you see these people kind of coming apart in a way Mm -hmm. um so i'd be curious to know if at the end do you do you come away with it thinking that there's any chance she's going to come back into the picture or do you think she's do you think she's done with donald sutherland
1: um i think that there's a very deliberate open-endedness at least to the film yeah about the possibility for reconciliation because she only takes two bags out of the closet and is kind of like she knows that she needs to leave yeah. Um. Not that he, she's not telling him to leave. There's not that like bitterness that says divorce. Yeah. There's like a, a, a truthfulness in the way that she's going about her actions. Yeah. Um, where you, you really don't know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what's interesting about this point in time, which I believe is kind of this, um, I, I believe it's more of a, a maybe 20 year period, but it's really condensed into about a 10 year period, um, by, Um, John Belton who wrote American Cinema, American Culture Mm. um, he makes this really interesting statement about this post-war, post-Nixon era Mm -hmm. right before we get to the Reaganite era. A lot of films are about the return of the father to the Mm. son, to help the son move Mm. on. We get this Mm. in Indiana Jones we get this in Star Wars, we get this in Mm. this film Yeah Um, and and there were innumerable other films that I just don't remember in in that book, um but that, that is uh, something that definitely comes through here. Mm. That it's, yeah. That's how yeah. the, the son moves on, is by the, mm. the, the mother kind of going away and the return of the father mm. um, yeah. to help him move through this stuff. Yeah, which yeah is, that's is a very interesting, um, just societal consideration of, of yeah. what was going on at the time and, and how um, kind of, you know, we longed for a certain amount of patriarchy back as a nation when mm. this film was made.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if there's any, you know, kind of optimism or or upbeatness to the conclusion, it's kind of the father and son sitting there out on the back porch, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's obviously um, sad over you know what he just might have done with his wife, but the the son and him are having kind of this moment of reconciliation yes. or to, just togetherness. Um, so yeah, yeah, there is something. Um, uh, uh, very, very kind of traditional about it, or, uh, or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, this weird thing that was—you know—you just think about the Sean Connery Indiana Jones. I think it was the last yeah. Crusade, right? Yeah. Um, you think about the final Star Wars when Darth Vader does what he does for Luke. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, there, there was this return of the father at the time. That um, arguably, uh, at least in in that book, he makes the case for that's kind of what led to the Reaganite era and then the films that we get out of that Reaganite area.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's the kind of movie I'd love to watch with my mom just to see like how what she thinks of it, you know, right? I think this would play very differently for someone who's lost a kid, who has kids. Um um, Who maybe man versus a woman. knows what um, a
1: psychiatrist or a psychologist yes, is like. That's absolutely. maybe what she'd what be like. This is so phony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd, um, I'd like to know what your mom thinks about it too. Yeah. I think she'd probably like it. I, my um, mom would be like, I liked Mary Tyler, Moore. you know, like my, yeah. my mom wouldn't, I, I think have too much uh, enjoyment at this film. She doesn't enjoy negative things nearly yeah. as much as positive yeah. things.
2: Yeah. But yeah, the, I mean, especially with that reading in mind, I mean, I'd just be curious to you know if, if, um, if a different perspective would would leave you a little bitter about how the, about how the film maybe treats um the mother um i um i didn't feel that way like i maybe. felt like it was um equally sympathetic and just sort of honest in how differently she is approaching like what they're going through
1: yeah well there's this moment that Donald Sutherland says well i think that's normal how much love she had for the previous son. I don't remember his name. Mm. I feel like it was a four-letter Buck. word, though. Buck. Yeah. Here we go. I was going to say Jack, but Buck. There we go. <laughs> Close um, enough. Because he says that uh, Conrad and her are similar. Mm. And that mm, maybe she could yeah. love Buck because he was different and because he was her firstborn.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: And so there's kind of this earned... To me, it was earned the, the differences in her affection. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was hard for her... It seems hard for her to love herself. Yeah. So it seems like yeah. it would be hard for her to love Conrad, and it seems yeah. like maybe she's in this weird, um, shoot, I just lost the word for it. It's this. Mm. It's this headspace where you you kind of aren't really there. Um, um, it happened in Breaking Bad. Fugue state. Uh, she's okay. kind of in this yeah. fugue state uh, after the death, where she's not really emotionally present. and I don't really get the sense that she's like leaving out of spite or any of that I get the sense that maybe she's leaving at the end because she knows that she needs to fix her shit yeah Um, and it's not really a negative thing it's more of a positive transition where maybe Donald Sutherland had already moved through it and understood that and Conrad had already gone through it because he tried to kill himself and went and spent nine months was it Um, yeah in the hospital working through the stuff with a doctor and now he's still working with a doctor so it, it seems like it's not really putting her down so much as saying she was the strongest one that lasted the longest. Yeah. Um, And now she has to go work on herself. Yeah.
2: That's at least how I took it. Yeah. um, Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, uh, in one way I was, I couldn't decide if maybe she recognized that she, um, she perhaps was, was not as forgiving with Conrad as she should have been Mm -hmm. by now. And thus, sort of realizes that maybe until she can come to grips with that she needs to to give them their space and yeah i guess in the same way you said it just until she figures that out um because she's realizing that that it it is unfair um to them how how she's somehow going about this she's maybe struggling with um frustration over over any idea she might have had that conrad could have done something even though she wasn't there you know um i i couldn't help but think that's maybe something going through her head um yeah um
1: it's tough it's uh it's certainly a tough movie Mm. i think it's generally a good one though yeah um Mm. I feel like I should have scored it two and a half Just to bring down Mm. the average score For Drink in the Movies Because you get a a raucous five But uh, Mm. yeah It's definitely recommended Mm. by us Um, I I don't know That the the five is as well earned As you might argue
2: Oh yeah I think uh, I mean I I don't think a family drama Can get much better than this
1: Manchester by the Sea Also a five Mm, but a higher five <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, high fives <laughs> I think Manchester by the Sea will will age in exactly the same fashion that this film has
1: um, ah stronger think so? I do because Michelle Williams and Casey Affleck will continue to build a filmography mm-hmm. that is incredibly strong Kyle Chandler will do the same um, Lucas Hedges will do the same so I just think it'll be remembered more fondly um, in that mm. category, whereas I don't think mm. that we think of Donald Sutherland as this great actor that we might mm. think of Casey or Kyle as in the future. Mm. Um, I don't think... I, I mean Mary Tyler Moore definitely, but we don't really talk about mm. her or, or go back and view her films as a cultural society yeah. anymore. Yeah, That's um, fair. And then we don't even know the name of Conrad, right? And we, we yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. quite bring up the fact that Adam Baldwin, a very young Adam Baldwin, is in this film. On the swim team, oh, yeah. as yeah. the bully, but he is. Um, yeah, that that was interesting. And then the you, you know, like I I do think Manchester is just kind of this um, snippet of cinema to come in a way that maybe mm. ordinary people isn't so much. Oh, what I did mm. see in this that I, I do want to just touch on before we move on is kind of the subtle landscape where he lets a mm. character inhabit the landscape and really kind of oh, yeah. take over the landscape, but this beauty of the landscape is really there. Oh, yeah. that really comes through later on. So he's kind of always had it, and a river runs through it.
2: Oh, I've never seen that one.
1: That's my favorite film from him.
2: Yeah, a couple of films later, maybe kind of
1: nineteen ninety two. I want to but... say.
2: But oh, okay, well, well I well, think later.
1: maybe four later because I think he did quiz show in between then, and a, and hmm. maybe two other films.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, how these characters are positioned in their environments feels right. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of. Um, simple in its in its style i thought the editing was perfect just i wouldn't change a thing about how this was edited um i, I thought i don't uh, have any suggestions i yeah mm.
1: i'd if there was a better mm-hmm. editor that wanted to edit it mm-hmm. i wouldn't say no but i yeah, certainly don't have um, any criticism of
2: that yeah i mean sometimes editing is just about you know how long or short a scene should be and it, it just felt like that I, I was never with a character too long or for or for too short of Amount of time, I um, I will
1: say maybe Mary Tyler more I'd like more of, right? I'd, I'd, like ling- like I'd, I'd like to more mm. of. I'd like to linger with her more in some of those mm. scenes, yeah. Because we see kind of her starting to feel something, and then we kind of cut away quite often. Mm. And I I maybe would have liked to see a more deeper transition of that. Yeah, that's fair.
2: She's great. Right. I love. Her. Sticking with the three and a half.
1: Sticking with the three and a half, you're sticking with the five. Five stars. Uh, Five. (laughs) Five dollar. All right, that's Ordinary People, resounding recommendation by us, but uh, certainly not a Mm. five of a film. Let's move on to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, because Ordinary Mm. People is a regular three and a half. Ooh. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
0: Paul Newman is Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid is Robert Redford. Catherine Ross is at a place. Dynamite's ready, Butch. Well, that ought to do it. Think you use enough dynamite there, Butch? Most of this is true, and all of it blazes with
1: action. You've never met a pair like Butch and Sundance. What oh, does this movie too? I... I'm okay on it. I yeah. I don't quite remember what I rated it. Do you?
2: What you rated it?
1: What you rated it.
2: Oh, I, uh, I rated it a four. Mm.
1: Um,
2: yeah. So, I had never seen this film. You had seen it, right?
1: I watched it a long time ago.
2: Yeah. So, this is just not the film that I thought it was. Um, I thought this was, like, a much tougher Western than... I did, too. It is. Um, I just thought it was something more violent, Um more hardened, a little darker in tone. Um, so I was very surprised by how sort of upbeat and lighthearted it is. Um, there are some, some, maybe some undertones of seriousness and like people, people are killed, but I think overall I would describe this as quite, um, quite light in tone. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, even at the end, which, which is a great scene, it still doesn't feel serious. Kind of like that yeah. fade out still shot that is so famous. And I believe it yeah. might be, even be the cover of most of the, the film in circulation now. Yeah, they're still joking um, with each other yeah.
2: minutes before they run out into a And,
1: blaze and then of they bullets. run out. Yeah. And it ends as if they got away with it yeah. somewhat. Um, yeah. So I, I gave this film a three. I just checked. Okay. Um, gotcha. And I, I still feel pretty confident about that because it's gotcha. better than the fact that they made a film. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the thing that really psyched me out or didn't work for me was Paul Newman's acting style against Robert Redford's acting style. Mm-hmm. I think that I'd I'd equivalent Robert Redford to Brad Pitt in kind of this naturalism mm. where the actor becomes the character seamlessly. Whereas Paul Newman has this, um, I, I don't know if I want to say pastiche, but this, this huge sense of, of an era behind him.
0: Mm.
1: Like, he feels like a star. Robert Redford mm. is a star, but he melts away into a character, like Brad Pitt melts away into a character. Mm. When you think of Allied, you don't think about the star movie. You think yeah. about this character-driven movie with Marion Cotillard and Brad Pitt. Mm. When when I think about Robert Redford, I don't think about a star. I think about this character melting away. Mm. But Paul Newman's kind of this giant Lawrence of Arabia figure. Mm. See in that movie? No, but okay, y- gotcha. you know what I mean? Like okay, he, gotcha. he has that huge, looming essence of he's not going to act differently because he has this character. He's going to mm. make certain choices, but he's still going to be the same actor. Mm. Whereas I think Redford makes different choices for different characters and melts away into mm. them. And yeah. the juxtaposition of those, once again, really didn't work mm. for me. Interesting.
2: I thought they completed each other. Um, a lot of
1: people do. I might yeah. just be on the outside looking in.
2: Yeah. Um, to me, it's just a, it's, it's a classic buddy kind of formula. Um, of two guys with different personalities, different skills, different assets, who together are better than the sum of their parts.
1: Um, uh, I Butch, definitely agree uh, with that.
2: Yeah, Butch is um, the talker, right? He's he's got the charm. He's um, the one who will talk himself out of these uh, precarious situations. And Sundance Kid is the the one that strong silent shoot. type. Yep, exactly. But the gunslinger. Yeah, but um,
1: in the film, right, we find out that Paul Newman's never shot anyone. Right. Yeah. And we find or rather Butch has never shot yeah. anyone and we find out that the the kid is the one that shoots all the people. We also find out that Butch can't swim. Yeah. And yeah. Sundance mm-hmm. can't. So, yeah. you, you know, there uh while it was humorous, it I I don't know that it ever felt too humorous and t- like I don't mm-hmm. know if I ever laughed well, yeah, how lighthearted correct. tone never yeah. got me to laugh the way that Sisters Brothers did? Yeah. And when yeah. I was watching the Sisters Brothers, I felt like Joaquin and John C. Reilly were inhabiting the same space, acting not differently, um, necessarily, but like the way that they were acting didn't jar me at all. And the mm. way that, that Newman and uh, Redford were acting jarred me because it was just so startlingly different. Whereas the the schools that that Joaquin and, and John come from are different, they seamlessly fit together and become enmeshed in the in this picture. I felt mm. like I was watching kind of actors on a stage, mm. and and it it was kind of like different segments of a of a separate film almost. Mm. Like when they interact with the girl in the town, it was kind of different than when they're mm. interacting with each. It was just weird. Yeah,
2: that's, that's hard to argue with you know makes sense um to me it's just uh to me there's something even more satisfying about seeing uh two two very different people um um work so well together um i think the the the, the focus here is not one or the other it's them together um it is them as a as a pair as a team um as as almost like brothers um who can somehow you know be very different and yet somehow kind of share the same dna character wise um i was just uh i just found it quite fun to be you know on the on the run with them
1: did, did you feel that brotherhood and that closeness throughout the whole film uh i think so okay yeah. i didn't find it until they were going up the mountain and they ditched the horses Gotcha. And from then on, I was kind of on board. Mm, And that's, like, my favorite portion of the film. But beforehand, I really was not dialed in. I I wasn't able to emotionally believe it. Yeah. My suspension of disbelief was absent.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anything, like, the first 20 minutes or so were kind of funky because I just kept waiting for, like, it to be more... Violent or gritty than it was, just because that's mm. somehow how I had this in my head about what this film was. I mean, and I then de- I'm like, oh, this is actually like kind of more buoyant. Yeah. Did, did
1: you watch it before, after Sisters Brothers? I think I watched it after. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I did too. So mm. or, yeah, it's tough. It's so long yeah. ago now, it, yeah, I, I don't quite remember, but it, there's definitely. I I don't know that I thought that it'd be darker to begin with, but I felt like the beginning was just not what i expected for a western film hmm. and then i started i i still don't know that i think this is a western film
2: i agree i mean to me that's it's just sort of the um just sort of the scaffolding right on which this is this story is set but um you're right i, I don't see this as really interested in the western tropes it's just sort of interested in that kind of environment
1: yes um Uh, so referencing uh american cinema american culture again from john belton um there's a portion in there where it it kind of explains that this film and and quite a few others at the at this point in time 1969 i believe um were in this post-war anti not really post-war but post beginning of the war -war anti-war thing where they're trying to kind of say they are against the system Mm. in the, in this way and and that they are people and that they they still want the benefits of the system mm. yeah but they're yeah. against the system um yeah and i i thought that was kind of an interesting way to view this as part of american culture and, and american cinema at the time
2: yeah yeah it's interesting um yeah i think this was like this was 1968
1: 1967
2: this came out okay i thought it was 69. Um, oh you said 69 is that what you said yeah okay I so. sorry sorry um uh, which is uh Let me check. Yeah, it's around, you know, the same time as yeah, like sixty nine. Sixty nine. Okay. So I think Bonnie and Clyde was like yes, sixty eight. That's another one that they right?
1: reference where it's like yeah. this anti system thing where it's yeah. individuals um mm. reaping benefits from the system but not giving into mm. the system.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, to me it's to me I think of Bonnie and Clyde as some, as one of those sort of markers of like the coming of new Hollywood. Yes. Um which is you know it was obviously like a landmark and like that was nominated for best picture and um it's kind of similar in a way like i you know those these two people on a run in one case it's a romance in another case it's a buddy film um but uh it's weird i still think it just like tonally those are just like kind of two interesting movies to compare because i i still just find butch Casting and the sunday's kid more upbeat all right there's nothing like raindrops keep falling on my head in uh Bunny and Clyde right they yes. go down in a blaze of bullets we see them gunned down so mm-hmm. there's something about like the pessimistic tone of that film in contrast to Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid which is kind of interesting even though they're kind of doing the same thing
1: mm-hmm. you know
2: just kind of two interesting movies to compare it seems
1: like they, they are very much doing the same thing they just end differently maybe
2: yeah yeah uh, they certainly um, have a different
1: tone but I, I think that kind of the culture that they're Um, from the milieu of or or coming Mm. out of is very much making the same statement.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would agree. Um, I I just wonder I I wonder at the time if the audiences for these two movies would have been different. Like I, I would have imagined the Bonnie and Clyde would have been more more startling to people than Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, definitely, right? definitely. That's yep.
1: at least how I've come to understand film history. Is that yeah. Bonnie and Clyde is still much more startling of a of a film to people of those that era specifically. Yeah, there's and nothing Butch as
2: sexual in, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid as yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah,
1: and, and not only is it not sexual, it you know it's a western that ends on a light note. Which yeah. is something that, you know, the, the people that watch Stagecoach, like you referenced earlier, and mm. Shane are going to be happy with. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, what the original 310 to Yuma, um, you know, the, these types of films normally end pretty savagely.
2: Yeah, Bonnie so, and Clyde's like, maybe everything won't be okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And whereas this is like these two Hollywood stars, one is a budding, promising new prospect in Redford, mm-hmm. and yeah. one is an a, an aging superstar in Newman and they yep. go out in this place of glory but it fades before they get shot in this happy note of them smiling yeah. shooting
2: they're like yeah just just keep it happy exactly yeah. they could be fine yeah
1: yeah is there yeah. uh, i think that the segment of the book on on that was like having your cake and eating it too
2: mm yeah oh yeah yeah i could see that um and
1: it specifically referenced Bonnie and Clyde as well
2: yeah so yeah right around that definitely that same a, time. pull there yeah yeah um yeah yeah two two similar but different movies um kind of interesting to compare
1: i don't really know how to talk about like the former or, or the progression of this film it's it's mm. um it's just weird how it's put together you know i i guess a a pivotal moment is maybe when they've already fled south and they um they hold up the bandoliers that yeah. held them up mm-hmm. um and they get the gold back and they do they kill them all or do they make them run away i don't quite remember yeah that. i don't
2: really remember either to be honest with that me. seemed
1: like maybe a crucial <laughs> moment um yeah of, of the film but i mean beforehand you know he convinces the girl to run away with him, mm. um and they do it's it's just this it it almost feels like looney tunes Kind of a, a plot, you know, where it's like we're here. It's a little now we're here, now we're here, now we're the, here.
2: Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> there is almost some some silliness to it, or something yeah. like that. There is there is kind of an exuberance, um,
1: beautiful landscapes. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I, but I, but I smiled every time, you know. They would turn around and see that the guys were still on their tail, and they'd say, "Who are these guys?" Uh, I thought that was funny. I thought it was I thought I, it was fine.
1: Hmm? I could shift on that. Yeah. Is how I'll put that I didn't find yeah. it funny at the time But I definitely could shift on that All yeah. I'd need is to be lubricated Yeah, And maybe like in a cinema setting Yeah, I think that not watching it in a cinema Really detracted from my ability to enjoy it
2: Yeah Raindrops keep falling on my head Do you like it? Do you not like it? <sighs> I'm neutral. neutral Neutral? Come on are It's we delightful about, Are we
1: talking about the song? Yeah Love the song
2: Okay, thank god Big
1: fan of the song
2: Thank God. That
1: part of the movie?
2: Nah. The You didn't like uh, Paul Newman on the bicycle in that little bit?
1: I, I was affable to it. Mm. Gotcha. I wasn't enamored, but I was like, ah, uh, guffaw, mm. guffaw. You know, like I knew what they were doing and I oh, you're I funny, enjoyed guys. It that, that you mm. know, mind level where you're not yeah. quite with it, but you're happy that they're doing it.
2: Mm. Yeah. So to me, the bicycle here is kind of like the toothbrush in The Sisters Brothers. Mm-hmm. That is that is our symbol of the future to come. And this is sort of a symbol of what's next. And in a way, this is kind of a story about, you know, maybe the end of their time, right? It, you, you can read the ending optimistically, but I see this more so as a movie about them not being able to escape the law like they thought they always could. Um, so to me there is sort of sort of this um conclusion like tone running through it even though it's quite upbeat to me yeah. um, oh what
1: is funny in this movie and what I, that i've seen that like i remember watching as a kid and going holy shit that's fucking crazy mm. is when all the military gets lined up on that roof with oh, the rifles, yeah. like it's just funny, like yeah. how it's just a field of rifles on oh, this yeah. rooftop or yeah. like, rooftops rather, tons yeah. of them.
2: Yeah, and and again, a weird tone. Like it doesn't, it's not like an oh my gosh moment. It's like, how are they going to get out of this? Because you kind of assume they will somehow. Are they? It's weird. Yeah. Um, it's you know, still they can't run not the back. It's still not um, intimidating, really. I don't know. It's kind of intimidating. It's just it's it's funky how it. Um, has these moments of of danger that don't feel that dangerous somehow.
1: Yeah, that's maybe the most interesting thing about the film, in retrospect now that we're talking it is the tone. Yeah. And definitely. how it never really commits to any sort mm. of a tone.
2: Mm. I mean, to me, it's quaint. That's how no, I would describe it. No, it. it definitely is mm.
1: but um, maybe in the moment of this visceral brutality it mm. isn't quaint yeah gotcha so it's it's this overall tone like what exactly is the is the tone there and um just thinking about it more broadly it's interesting to consider it in um contrast to culture at the time yeah when it was coming out just that the the bigger conversations about this film are maybe more interesting to me than the smaller conversations yeah um, kind of its legacy. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Rather than what the camera did at this moment, or how they chose to cut away and and just show the cliffs, as there was a splash sound. you, yeah. you know.
2: Got to look ca- for the broad strokes.
1: take. The cinematography or, or leave it. You know, there's certain decisions that we would certainly criticize n- now if they were if that film was made now. Yeah, I think we would be a lot more critical of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that's that's weird. How I that's kind of how my moving my movie going goes goes is i feel like i'm most critical of the movies of the new releases that i'm watching now and Mm -hmm. then as things age you kind of just realize what matters and what doesn't sometimes you you realize that that's a mistake but you're like but it's kind of beside the point like there are bigger things going on or somehow like the just the brush strokes at at large seem to make more of a difference Mm -hmm. than the the minutiae
1: So you're Um, saying 2032, we can expect a five-star review with the heart of Hail Caesar. Is that what I said? That's what you just said. (laughs) I heard it. Could be. It's very possible. (laughs) Never know. Time will tell. Time will tell. We'll get Mm -hmm. to Hail Caesar again in spring.
2: Exactly. (laughs) People are so psyched for spring.
1: I know. (laughs) They're going to have to tell us what we said we'd watch. Because we won't remember.
2: (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, I don't
2: have a lot else to say, but I liked it. I think it's fun.
1: I think it's a important film. I th- I think it's a good film. I just don't think it's great. Um, and most of it's, m- most of what I'm interested in about it is more extra textual rather than what yeah. encapsulated in it.
2: Yeah, certainly. I agree. Interesting for its legacy, its place in the culture now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, If I had to pick any movie from 1969 and someone said, let's watch this one, I'd happily watch it again.
1: Well, I don't remember what else came out in 69, so yeah. That was awfully specific, but. You you son of a. (laughs) 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 All right. All right. Shall we move on? Let's hop over to our final title of the week The Old Man and the Gun.
0: Well, let's take this place. Say it was a bank, and instead of that counter up there, that was really a teller's window and you just walk in real calm. So you walk right up, look her in the eye, and you say, ma'am, this is a robbery. And you show her the gun, like this. And you say, I wouldn't want you to get hurt, because I like you. I like you a lot. So don't go breaking my heart now, okay? You're not serious. Look at that.
1: Is he smiling?
2: That's right, one more Redford picture. One more. This one is starring Redford, once again. What'd you think?
1: I think that it is a beautiful film and I smiled basically the whole time. Oh, not like, I like it. giant grin, mm-hmm. but like just pleasant the whole time. Kind of like yeah. the opposite of Manchester by the Sea. Where you're, you're kind of frowning. Not <laughs> huge frown, but like small frown the whole time. Like, yeah. oh no, oh no, oh no. Don't. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. The whole time you're watching this movie.
2: It's a nice movie.
1: It is it's very nice. You feel like to see SpaceX really like enjoying her relationship with him, and that he's treating mm. her well, yeah. and that he's really in love with her, mm. and that that's really great for him, and that Casey Affleck really has this great relationship mm. with his wife, and he really loves his kids, and it's just this really great movie that's just fun and warm, and it's it's one of those movies that's like the perfect rewatch. Where yeah. it doesn't matter if you fall asleep while you watch it, like it's that type of a movie where it's like, yeah, just put it on and you're gonna go to bed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Warm, I do think that's a an appropriate word. I do think it feels warm. It looks warm, kind of the the orangish kind of glow of the cinematography. Oh yeah, I think is is quite quite enticing. Um, is it
1: is it a very colorful picture?
2: It's not. I wouldn't describe it as colorful, but I would, you know, it's um, it's. Very welcoming of natural sunlight.
1: Is it maybe um, like a consistent saturated palette type of a film, where it maybe yeah, brings yeah. you into a, a color scape and keeps you there?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very, very consistent in you know. Not only is it grainy, but it has just kind of that yellowish, orangish hue that you get from 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 sunshine that you could, mm-hmm. whose warmth you just feel, right? Oh, yeah. And um,
1: it, so maybe that plays into what what is arguably the most important scene in the film the uh, the sunrise over the graveyard when Tom waits leaves mm. with Danny Glover off mm. of the uh, the porch yeah because right? yeah. that's kind of the uh, I, I'd say that's the crux of the of the biscuit if oh. you will to quote yeah. Frank Zappa nice that's that's <laughs> where the film departs and he's no <clears> longer going to get away with his jovialities
2: yeah jovial yeah that is an appropriate word as well yeah um yeah interesting um. You like Sissy Spacek as well. I loved her. Yeah. So great. Very delightful. It's hard not to just use the word charming over and over in reference to this movie. Um, charm, mm.
1: warm, happy, pleasant. Mm. Um, Google search other synonyms for us. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as low-key of a bank heist movie as you're as you're likely to find, well, I it's think. It's
1: not even a bank heist movie. It's it's you just a bank uh, robber. It's a no, it's a romance film. Mm. Mm. Where I guess some banks lost some money along the way, but it's a great romance film. Uh Casey mm. Affleck falls in love with uh Butch Cassidy, or not Butch Cassidy, <laughs> the Sundance Kid rather. Yep. And uh the Sundance Kid falls in love with Susie's basic. It's this great, great, charming uh, nice. little slice mm. of life. I guess yep. banks got robbed you said but he
2: was nice about it he was smiling
1: he was the polite. whole time
2: <laughs> yeah uh i do think probably my favorite scene was the montage of all of his breakouts yes great to me there was almost something kind of Wes Andersonian about that yes there was it's,
1: how about when they cut to quaintness? actual footage of him
2: yeah pretty great oh, actually i was not expecting that
1: that took me um, off my seat i was like nice. what film is that
2: yeah can we yeah.
1: watch that for the show
2: you're like, can we No
1: no no, let's go back to that guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Can we finish watching that movie first and then we'll get back to this one?
2: Yeah. Um, Casey Affleck, uh, I like to me there he is kind of an interesting actor to compare to Robert Redford because even though I don't find him anywhere as charming as I find Robert Redford, to me there he is similar in that like most of what he's doing seems to be going on below the surface. Um, melts into a character, you might yeah. Say. Like Red, Redford has his smile, right? That just like is you, you just can't you know resist it. When you it. See it. Yeah, like, I
1: think Casey might have that too.
2: Yeah, I th- I don't know why. It's just when I look at those guys, I, I just I just feel interiority. Um, th- they do they do a lot with a little, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's it's the twinkle in Redford's eyes, mm-hmm. and um, with Casey Affleck, it's just kind of that fragile voice in a way um they're not they're not actors with big gestures um with big personalities um it's small things that sort of like hint at the inner workings um i don't come out of this thinking like i really feel like i have this uh bank robber figured out it and and it's and it's great it's kind of like there's this mystery behind that smile that that leaves you kind of wanting more time with it yeah, Definitely. it's really nice. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of a fun ensemble. Like Tom Waits and Danny Glover as the accomplices—they're
1: great. I I would argue not enough. I would, yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, I well, this was what 80, I don't know if I would criticize that eighty or eighty-five. Like, mm, eighty or eighty-five? What minutes? Oh, uh, I don't know. That's a good question.
1: When it ended and I had to leave the theater, I was like, I don't want to leave yet. What are you yeah. talking about, guys? Yeah. um, 93 minutes. Okay. Pretty tight. That's excruciatingly tight, you know, because mm. to give three minutes to credits, that's a mm. tight hour and a half from what might be. I, I, I guess when I left this, I had this overwhelming, like, tightness in my chest or something that was like... Mm keep going this is someone like Mm. jeff nichols like this this Mm. film i would point to with like midnight special is do you want to know what current americana is when we're going to look back on this century or this decade Mm. rather this is americana right now Mm. like this is the american directors making american films for america right now yeah yeah um
2: yeah i would i would at that, I would say, like in tone, just because to me it feels nostalgic in a way.
1: Absolutely. Right? Okay. And I think that we're mm-hmm. feeling that.
2: Yeah. I feel like yeah. Midnight
1: Special is nostalgic for those great <laughs> sci-fi picture yeah. pictures uh, gotcha. of E. Yeah. C. Well, Close yeah. Counters the, the, kind. of the Third Kind. Yeah, that makes sense. And even the bigger ones, you know, Star Wars and stuff. Just though, because it's yeah. the little boy that has more promise and the father trying mm. to deliver him to that and protect him from the the church and the state. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, it's it's this for me it's just the sense of americana. I, I yeah. I'd also equate mud with that. Um with minute yeah. special, you know, it's oh, just definitely. this general yeah. sense of americana. That's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's just it's it's just super mellow even at the moment when I finally thought that the uh, dramatic tension was going to be like turned up. It just somehow somehow got, like, even, like, more mellow. Like, there's the one right? chase scene.
1: That totally uh, messed with my head. Because, yeah. like, the sound even went lower. Yeah, it's
2: great. Um, the one chase scene where I expected some kind of... Um, the one we seen
1: in the trailer? Is it in the trailer? Where no. he opens the trunk and the money bills fall out? I think that's right. Yeah, I we think get, it culminates we, I that. think we did yeah. get two chase scenes.
2: Yeah, actually... I think that's a flashback. I think it's mm-hmm. the other one I'm thinking that's, about. That's where... why I
1: say we get two chase scenes. Yeah. So I'm talking mm-hmm. about the flashback. You're talking about the, the concurrent timeline. In the timeline.
2: present. Exactly. Gotcha. Where um, he goes
1: uh, back to Sissy's and takes the horse.
2: Exactly. Like, I was I was expecting something much more dramatic in the music. And instead, it's just, like, really simple acoustic guitar. Um, just kind of, like, reminding you, like,
1: he's got this. He's going to be fine. It's nice. Do- So in tone, did you feel like you were watching, like, the bank robber version of Ghost Story? Where, like, you're watching the Mm. ghost of all Mm. the bank robbers and all the bank robberies ever. And how, like, you just can't Mm. stop it. The bank robber's always going to (sighs) rob banks, and the guy that tries to stop him is always going to try to stop him. And the federal government is always going to get in the way of the guy who's about to stop him and actually catch him. And they're yeah. gonna catch him through some other way that's slower, and it's not gonna mm. actually last. And then they're just gonna yeah. continue the cycle. Like it felt like that weird like, endless yeah. cycle ghost story, yeah, of a bank robber.
2: Yeah, yeah. It is. It is funky to compare the, the two movies because of how different the content is, but in just kind of in feel, they somehow still feel kind of of, of one of a kind. They feel like the same um, to me. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, the the only criticism I've heard of either of these films, um, I like Eli Scott, who writes for the New York Times pretty well. His only criticism, he says he likes all of David Lowry's movies, but, um, he feels like sometimes his frames are a little too fussed over. Um, and I think that is kind of the right word.
0: Yeah,
2: and his compositions, um, uh, that they, they just seem to need a little a little air or something like that perhaps they're just maybe just a little too neat or manicured or something like that and I do think mm. that's kind of interesting I can like, think
1: of moments where I'd think of that but I don't know if I'd think about that generally as mm. criticism that I'd hold because if he didn't do that then your criticism might be that he's not framing well enough you, you know it's
2: true but I think that's like I don't really have any problem with this movie, but I think there is something there. Like, there is going to be... I think there is a movie in him that's going to be a five and not a four. This is, this is a four for me. Me too. Um, Ghost Story was four and a half, I think. To me, there is just a perfect five that, that he's going to come at us with. Yeah, that seems to just have, like, a little more, like, possibility to it. Um, or
1: maybe a little bit more character-driven. Yeah, Or maybe well, an actor's face takes over more because this is a film mm-hmm. where it's very much restricting these great actors
0: to mm-hmm. characters
1: yeah so you're yeah. not getting this close-up where they're kind of defining the picture the way that maybe yeah you'd think about in like the departed where we get mm. close-ups on mark Wahlberg or um uh leonardo dicaprio or uh jack shit jack not Jack. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, you know we're getting these super tight close-ups where kind of mm. their emotional changes direct mm. the picture's tone. Mm. It seems like the picture's tone directs the characters more mm. with him so far, and yeah. so I think that maybe a really good um, actor like a John C. Riley or Walking <laughs> Phoenix taking over and getting a bunch of tight close face-ups, yeah, could shift that in a way that you know Rooney Mara eating a pie didn't.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think we're I think we're talking about the same thing. We're just kind of like getting there in different ways. Yeah. Um you know, to me I think about um uh someone like PTA, like you you see the meticulousness to that's Paul
1: Thomas Anderson folks.
2: That it is. Um you see the meticulousness like in the direction mm-hmm. but somehow at the same time it feels like these characters are just coming up with these things as you're watching them do it. Yes. Whereas the old man at the gun, everything I see I love but it doesn't really ever feel like it's going to happen any other way than exactly how it does. Does that make sense? Like, it's just lacking a bit of possibility or something.
1: Do you think that while you're watching it, though, you already know it's going to happen?
2: Kind of. Because of how the style is... uh, While it is so nice, it also suggests to me how sort of tightly controlled... um, the the film as a text is
1: okay there was this point kind of near the end where it lulled me into this sense of he's gonna break out and then they're sitting at this table and all of a sudden the music either does a really hard cut or fade out and it's just like oh you just threw Mm. the audience into lurch like you're at the top Mm. of the roller coaster looking down at a huge drop now because sissy asks him what if you don't break out Mm. and he doesn't yeah and that for me, just mm. that shift after we just watched the montage that we just talked about—that was so great—of yeah. him breaking out of all these prisons and the fact that he doesn't do that. Yeah, that certainly threw me for an unexpected loop. It doesn't really yeah, change the outcome of the film. Yeah, but in the moment, I was so caught up in the moment that I was very surprised that that was what what the character yeah. chose to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, a moment of. Maybe some, some looseness to it. Yeah. Um, I could see that. Um you know, and it's the kind of thing that over time, like, I might just not care about. You know, I might watch it again and be like, fuck it. This is just too damn nice to not be a five. Yeah. But um twenty years yeah. it's
1: gonna be a five. Yeah. yeah.
2: It, it that that can happen. Um uh I just I just think like he's got even better stuff ahead of him. Um something Oh I with agree. Something that will, you know, surprise me even more. Um, something that just feels like it is coming to life before you, whereas this feels very um, tightly wound in a great way. I, I, I would rather I a director a take thing. it too seriously than not seriously enough. Yeah. Right. Every single time, but um,
1: yeah, I, I think I the, the, this great future you're speaking of is maybe something more gritty,
2: and yeah, less um, so.
1: enamoring. Yeah. Um, so the one thing that I just want to get back to before we move on from this framing idea that you brought up. Yeah. Um, in the diner, when him and Sissy go in there, um, the camera slowly shifts mm-hmm. over and we get the bar. Yeah. And this happens about three times pointlessly. And mm-hmm. we're looking at this bar. And if you're me, you're trying to discern why why we're looking at this.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's pointless. Three times in a row, I think. And the fourth mm. time... Casey Affleck's there and I mm. thought that was an expert use of framing to uh. set something up mm. and keep tricking me into this false sense of comfort There uh. nothing nothing concerning here even though yeah. I know something concerning here because of his direction mm. even though you know something bad is going to happen because of the way he keeps bringing you focus there you feel mm. like it's going to be okay because of the way he's shooting it Yeah, and then yeah. when it happens it's okay the way that the confrontation mm. goes but it's not okay. Yeah. At the end of it, and that's kind of, I guess, the film. It's yeah. okay, but it's not okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't remember that p- specific moment, but I could totally see that. You um, don't
1: remember when he convinces his wife to not hire a babysitter, and they go out to the diner.
2: Well, I remember the confrontation in the hallway. I'm, I don't it's... know. Yeah, but I. I, so, I don't want
1: to. Do you? Remember I don't when... want
2: to react just because just because yeah. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, those specific yeah. cuts yeah. do
1: you perchance remember when they were uh, the first moment that they go into the bar or, t- or the diner together him and Sissy
2: at the start of the movie yeah okay yeah
1: okay do. so in that scene we actually get a slow pan away while they're still talking gotcha and it goes over everybody at the other tables Gotcha. and it settles in on the diner bar for about 20 seconds and mm. we still hear everything they're saying and the focus is somehow on them with yeah. the audio but we're looking visually, and there's nothing there. And and for mm. me, I was like, why are we looking here? Yeah. And he does that two more times. Gotcha. And eventually, yeah. at the end, Casey is sitting there. At the end ah, of the bar. I see. In the diner.
2: Got it. Okay, so this is way before the actual yeah. confrontation. So this is oh, okay. a,
1: a slow framing setup that Got I thought it. the yeah, deliberation nice. of his framing was very expert. Mm.
2: That's nice. So maybe I'd I like push that. back
1: a little bit against A.O. Scott. But he's probably mm. right. It's just mm. there's a few moments where maybe it's great.
2: Got it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the those cuts sort of leading you to what they ultimately show. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And, a little and this suspense. slow
1: sense of trepidation, but, like, comfort at the trepidation, just yeah. because of the way he's shooting these scenes so sumptuously.
2: Yeah, you're, you're probably seeing Redford smiling as it happens, yeah. but there's some suspense through the edit. That's exactly. nice. Nice touch. I like it.
1: This is a good movie.
2: It is a good movie. I would encourage anybody to see it. Really? Really, anybody? Like, I can't think of like a type of moviegoer. Well, is there
1: someone a type that of only loves horror? Yes, <laughs> there is a lot that
2: I wouldn't recommend to somebody that <laughs> <laughs> only loves horror. Correct. There if you it. only love Found horror, it. this is too nice of a movie for you. It, Don't do yes.
1: it. It's it's too nice of a movie for mm-hmm. a few folks. Otherwise, it's yes. just a real nice, pleasant. Lurch through time and space. I agree. Uh it's it's very much like Ghost Story, but a lot more approachable. Um yeah. Oh yeah,
2: definitely. And
1: I think it's perfect for every single demographic, probably over twelve.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think if it is Redford's last picture, I think it's a good bookend.
1: It's a good bookend, but I hope it's not. Uh, me too.
2: Fingers crossed.
1: Final statement, his best picture is still all is lost. Mm. Ooh. By J.C. Chandor. Ooh. The okay. end. To Redford. To Redford and to the Deuce. Hey. Look at you. Look at you. Look at
0: us. Bound for glory. Who would have thought, right?
2: The Deuce. Shall we discuss episodes three, three and, and four?
1: Of Lead Deuce. We can try. Great show. Um, <clears throat> We watched three, four, five, and six before we began this discussion because we're recording two podcasts today. Yes. Um and it's hard to remember where one begins and where one ends. Cool. Because the specifically the ending of six kind of changes the whole scope of what's happening for me. I would agree. Uh specifically a certain locker room spa scene with a certain character Mm -hmm. and what we begin to learn about him yep uh completely compromises what i it doesn't compromise it maybe but it shifts the perspective of what exactly the agendas are of the city
2: yeah yeah change yeah absolutely
1: um so in three and four just i'll start with gripes
0: not enough james
1: franco this is bullshit. Oh. He's got two characters, and I maybe saw 12 to 15 minutes of screen time of him between two mm. hours of a show. Mm. Uh, bullshit. Just I can't tell if this out. is
2: like straight. like You're like, I'm literally knocking this? Or if this is sarcastic? No, like, I'm, I'm actually like, I love legit. I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: legit. Like I did not enjoy watching this show without um, some sort of a backdrop of serious drama or plot stuff going on with him.
0: It's oh, like he's just
1: the the doorman at this point. Mm. And I I'm not enthused at all mm. with really? with this turn of him just being the backdrop.
2: Huh. Interesting.
1: Okay. Where, where are you at with 3 and 4? Do you remember the 3 um, and 4 plot line at all?
2: Yeah, so so episode 3 is where I think she Laurie, gets a reward. Lori goes to LA. Yep. Um which um an interesting plot thread. It's kind of a tricky episode or show to talk about because there are always like five plot threads going on at once. Yeah, like, it's these characters
1: doing too much cutting. Oh, I disagree.
2: I was I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say like I enjoy how um, even it is in its attention to all these different plot threads that to me come together quite nicely. They sort of brush up against each other, but they don't all necessarily intersect um, in a super uh, obvious way.
1: See, I don't. I don't mean like. I don't want to say it's overall bad, mm-hmm. but I I do feel like I'm watching like a full season of Game of Thrones in one episode, where mm. it's like there's too many characters here, there's oh, too that. many conflicting plot lines. Love it, <laughs> and it's it's really just like there's so many conflicting plot lines, mm. but none of them are James Franco. So I'm just
0: mm.
1: out to see, pissed off because there's not mm. enough James Franco seriously being taken.
2: Mm. Yeah, I would. Agree, there are many. I, I wouldn't describe describe them as conflicting. I I am usually equally satisfied when they shift from one character to the next. Um, uh, I liked some I certainly of the, have my favorites. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of blending three and four, but I think in both of these is just where we're starting to get more and more footage of um, Candy making her movie, her born Little Red Riding Hood. Um, and, uh I
1: don't know if she's begun, I don't think she's begun production until episode 5.
2: That can't be right. 3 and 4 is where, I think it's in 3 that we, um... I think episode 4 her. is where
1: she sucks the guy's dick to get money.
2: Is that right? That could be. Um, it's, it's uh, it's, it's in, you know, either one of these episodes that we start to see her playing with, um, you know... Filmmaking technique, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well,
1: it's episode two ends with her uh, cutting this film so that the woman's orgasm is really um, powerful, I yeah. guess, visually. Yeah. So um, she's been doing it kind of this whole time. And yeah. that's definitely one of the most interesting things about this show right now is her yeah. filmmaking.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was kind of humorous when uh, I think the pimp's name is Cece, who comes up with the. Uh, pov shot idea Mm -hmm. it's actually on the set of a different Mm porno he's like make this from the perspective of the pimp yes uh and he thinks he's so clever um because the
1: asthma guy is breathing too hard exactly yeah so i think that's the end of episode four so candy's still working and hasn't been signed yet because i think episode five (laughs) is when they're considering candy for little red riding hood you remember when they're going through the headshots
2: yeah you're right okay so I think the, yeah, the scenes I'm thinking of are her just working on some other stuff Yes, um, and she, um, uh, yeah.
1: I think episode 4 might be where uh, the um, African American prostitute finds out that she's being paid half the rate of the yeah. white prostitute
2: right definitely um,
1: yeah or I, either I, porn I, actress at this point I don't know what's going on or how yeah. to express what these jobs are in the sexual yeah. it's complicated. world <laughs> um,
2: there was that scene where she's shooting larry in a prison cell that's what yes. i was thinking of it's not for little red riding hood um mm-hmm. but he we we realize he's illiterate so yes. that's when she first first thinks of improvisation yeah. as something that can be done yeah and that's when he nails it
0: mm-hmm.
2: um i think his arc has been um fascinating as he yeah, gets more and more interested in performance
1: that's right that illiterate his illiterateness is why he's now paying his own prostitute to help him with his lines. Cause yeah. Cause he can't read. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I guess I didn't think of that yet. Cause I yeah. watched those episodes this morning. So
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, he's been a, an interesting character. He was one, to me, he was one of the most repugnant in season one for how he treated Darlene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's now gotten totally swept up in his own ego.
1: stardom and yeah.
2: ego. Yeah. Ego, not stardom. He's not a star yet. It's his ego. And what he thinks he's capable of as a performer, mm-hmm. um, and he is kind of a good he performer. Is
1: capable of as yeah, a performer, totally.
2: It's it's fun to watch him as the big bad wolf, as yeah. we'll get to. Um, I, I've enjoyed his arc. Um, every time CC pops up, like I, I think this show does a good job of um, recognizing just how complicated these people are. Like they can have moments where they they, they kind of get a laugh from us, and and at the same time remind us of kind of how repugnant these people can be um, to me it's very honest in not reducing any of these people to um, you know one feeling or another you know there aren't really clear bad guys and good guys like everybody has like the shit that would kind of repulse you in, the, in something that might oh every of, single character
1: yeah. has a detracting characteristic at the moment except for one character who is the African American cop
2: yeah, there's not Pretty a single
1: great. bad thing that I'm aware of about him. He's Yet. fine.
2: You're right. Yeah. Which means something's coming for him.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bullet in the head maybe. Oof. Um so just back to criticism again, just mm. straight up negativity. Uh-oh. Not enough mob stuff at all. Ah. Mm. There, like there's a backdrop of them setting the uh the stuff on fire. Yeah. But yeah. four episodes in here there's not a legitimate mob strand to mm. be interested in. And when yep. the mob strand does develop, it's about the porn. It's not about the mob. And I thought that was maybe one of the stronger elements of the story. The, mm. the way in the first season, how the mob was interacting with, um, the prostitution on the street or how, how their businesses yep. were commingled, yep. um, and, and how the money was kind of arriving from the same places. And then how separately the theaters were porn theaters. And yeah, now they're trying yeah. to make a focus on the porn theater and make the prostitution and the mob support the porn theater. Yeah. Idea. And that's not working for me this season at all. No, mm. I I really miss the James Franco plot lines with the mob. Mm. Because now he's just relegated to a side character that shows up and takes money. Or that has a wife, or mm. that's going through extramarital problems with uh, that the girl that he's dating from the bar. Like, it's yep. just not interesting. It feels like melodrama, mm. like mm. relegation to melodrama. And the mob is mm. no longer and, and uh, you know I'm no longer seeing that Scorsese element in the show, which mm. is what I really liked about the show in season one.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, to me, to me, it is much more slice of life than Scorsese. I would agree. I mean, Scorsese is interested in big moments. I don't think of this show as one of big moments. Um,
1: I guess perhaps... Was it in episode four that there is a big moment where James is in the car telling him that he doesn't want to do stuff with the parlor anymore? He mm-hmm. gets out and he goes and shoots a guy in the head that's eating a slice of oh, pizza? Yeah. yeah. I think that True. was episode four.
2: Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, to me, it's, it, it, it's still shot and and sort of managed in such a way that it that it feels as if it's just as kind of natural of a thing in the episode as as kind of anything else right um th- these things happen and then the machine kind of continues to go this the ecosystem kind of continues to churn
1: um yeah new york is certainly still a strong character i just yeah. i'm not enjoying the subplots of the show like i yeah. used to yeah um even episode one and two, the, the characters had more life than they do right now. Mm. Right now, I, I'm kind of counting. I feel like like I'm looking at a wristwatch really? that I don't have on, on my wrist. And I'm counting until I get to see James Franco and Maggie Hall again. Really? And okay. it's always taking too long. Yeah. Not really that yeah. interested in CeCe's plotline um, other than when she's having like visceral interactions. Like yeah. her... her Experience on the set isn't something I'm interested
2: in. Yeah.
1: That's just me. Like, I'm For just sure. not enjoying these moments.
2: Yeah. Um, in one of these two episodes, we get a little time with the mob where Pippolo goes to, to his boss as they're talking about some of the other parlors that are popping up and um, it's just before one of the parlors gets burned down. And it's the only time I think we've seen Pippolo talking to his boss um, and have it. One of his ideas shot down, or have him get course corrected. So to me, it's just a reminder of how no matter no matter where you are in this food chain, there is always somebody above you. Mm-hmm. To me, it always felt like Rudy Pippolo was sort of the um, greatest sort of puppeteer um, above James Franco. Um, so I liked I liked that little touch with with the mafia that even him um, is subject to the whims of somebody with, with more, more power, more cred, more street cred, with more money. Yeah 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 um, but yeah, yeah I mean, I uh, can completely understand the criticism that like the show spreads itself too thin between just too much too many plot threads. and anytime you do that, like the more you try to the more stories you try to tell, the more opportunity there is for unevenness and that and then anybody might enjoy some more than others kind of inevitable.
1: Yeah. It, this is one of those shows where I feel like um, having a different director for every episode is really detracting from it as well. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I get this general sense of there that the executive producer or showrunner is always trying to make sure that they're being confined properly instead of... Like, I'm not getting a sense of any original artistic flourish in any of these episodes the way that maybe we saw in the beauty of maybe A Master of None. Where, Mm. uh, you know, each episode, while the same, is incredibly distinct and and is uh, showing off this ability of of these auteurs or these storytellers. I don't feel like I'm getting told this immense, great, scope, swathing story or getting Mm. these beautiful images. I feel like I'm getting a pretty consistent, okay, character study that's not really focused enough
2: that's fair i mean t- to me the completely completely understand it like that like I, I don't know how to argue with that but it's just i, I just i just feel differently I, You're I, just I just responding feel, to it more yeah positively. I, I just that's okay. i just feel like the um the comprehensiveness helps it feel bigger to me helps it feel like a more realized world to see many different people in many different situations that sort of overlap and that all kind of um, are dealing with similar problems makes it feel large, even though there isn't like some overarching plot. Um, but yeah, makes sense. Yeah,
1: hmm? I'm kind of starting to suspect that they were told before they began production on season two or while they were during production that it would end on season three. And that they're mm. trying to um, condense too much mm. in too short of a span, because what you're mm. talking about is its strengths.
0: Mm. I
1: think I agree with. But when I think back to season one, and I think about how slow and how beautiful the build up of the city was yeah. as this ecosystem, as yeah. this living biological organism, yeah. of this huge socio economic problem and, and culture and mm. everything. I think, yeah, dude, That you're right. Yeah. But there's something about the slow build out yeah. of season one that is totally missing here. Like, we're, mm. we're getting a super condensed straight shot that even though it's not a straight shot, if you, if, if you kind of ignore the fact that they're throwing all these characters in, it really is a straight shot. We've already gone to L.A., she's already won an award, mm. she's already been attacked for the award, she's already failed um, trying to get out of being under the pressure of him as a pimp Mm. uh we've got a pimp that's now working for uh the pornography uh she's already editing she's already got funding she's already got her own project like all this stuff i like i feel like she should have got funding for her own project by the end of this season yeah if that makes sense like a real slow build this Mm. is you know we hopped the decade and now i i i too fast yeah whatever the wire had in its slow, it deliberate buildup I haven't seen it either, but I've ah. heard it described, yep. and how it's so slow and, and deliberate in this character study of making everything come to life Yeah, that's what's missing here it's just going yep. too quick mm. and I still think it's a good show but I don't want to let it skate by and not be critical of it, because I, I do think mm. that it's really fucking up something good and that it has a bunch of really mm. good performers Right, Method Man is great in this He's so yeah. good. And they're they're not spending enough time separately with these characters and everything is so streamlined mm. that it, it's certainly detracting from the overall experience that the show could have had if it was a five to seven season show.
0: Yeah.
2: It sucks that it got cancelled. I agree. That's probably sped up as a result. Um, totally fair. It hasn't detracted majorly.
1: For you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I that's still... good. I'm, I'm glad we're yeah. watching it. Then that you're yeah. enjoying it because I was <laughs> going to watch it either way, but I'm just not enjoying it the way that I thought I would. Fair when right. we get to five and six, I'll be a little bit more positive because we get some turnaround gotcha. with uh, James Franco's second character. We'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some left cool. shoes,
2: yes, left shoes. I like that part. <laughs> All right. Well, I closing
1: statements it. on three and four of the Deuce for you, I go. <laughs>
2: I think I'm as involved with any of these characters as I ever have been. Um,
1: Even um, the African-American prostitute?
2: Um, Darlene. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't remember any of their names, honestly.
2: But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's hard when there are this many characters, um, I mean, it's difficult to know whether or not you feel like any given character is giving, getting quite enough time, but... Um, I still completely understand and connect with 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 her desire to just tr- try and do what she can to get edu- educated. To me like her her storyline is simple that. enough. In
1: 3 and 4 we're not seeing that. We spend zero time with her going to school, yeah. reading her books, doing anything. I think that we might see her once at the cafe. You
2: know? Yeah, but but to me it's not like a it's not like a, a Gap that they're that they're trying to like jump through to some bigger plot line with her. Like, they can keep coming back to to Darlene, and I'm always going to be happy to see okay. her where she is in her process.
1: Oh, I guess before um, we move on, the character who comes in at the end of episode two, who used to be a prostitute for one of the pimps in season one, with the glasses, who's oh, one yeah. of the social uh, justice people, I suppose is the yeah. correct way of framing her. What do you think of her as a character so far? In episode four.
2: Um <clears throat> I think I've enjoyed her, her presence so far. Um I am always a little shaken for her when she does come across Cece. I mean Cece was so unbelievably miserable to her in season one. Yeah. I completely connect w- Beat with the hell her, out of her Yeah, times. I completely connect with um her character's um Kind of residual trauma and and um determination to kind of overcome it. It's worked for me. Okay. Um
1: performance wise. Yeah, that's kind of um, what I meant. Or where I I'm don't coming know. out of um, is what I'll say. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um could be better. But but it did but it not it did not um it did not take away from what I think the the writing was doing with the character for mm. me. You know, um, sometimes if if the if the characters are just written well enough, um, the 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 performance doesn't need to to be an A plus for me to connect with the character. Anyways, gotcha. um, the the situation just kind of speaks for itself. Gotcha. Which is maybe weak criticism, but I also like just have to be honest about like my involvement
1: with yeah. it. You know, for me, you're being too forgiving, but that's well, then, the, no. just all. I mean, I'm is that like from no from my standpoint Mm. because of where I'm at as a viewer I think you're being too forgiving but where I'm at as a viewer you should think that I'm Mm. being too critical of performers probably
2: I mean I I, I could hone in on performance but I'm trying to think about like how it comes together as a whole and like Mm. you know there are always strengths and weaknesses and sometimes you know there is a weakness that is too weak to be overcome to me like is she a weak link probably but like it's not a major detraction for me.
1: Gotcha. You know? I feel like I don't need her or the boy that are organizing the bus for the church to get that plot. I, I I think that that plot's just as good if she goes and deals with some sort of a priest and gets the bus lent out by the nuns or something and <laughs> and starts putting together a smorgasbord of women that are still prostitutes that um, figure out how to do that or ex-prostitutes or brings in candy on the bus for, yeah. help, like... It just, I think that um, performance-wise, this is one of the weakest points of the show.
2: Fair enough. I won't argue. Run! Go!
0: Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant.